Hello and welcome to our podcast. Today we are joined by Secretini's Director of Technology, Adrian Taylor, and Apomni's VP EMEA, Brandon Romisher. Listen as they discuss topics around SaaS security, one of the most overlooked threats in the enterprise. So thanks for the introduction, uh, Rachel. It's Aid Taylor here. Um, and Brandon, joined by Brandon Romisher. Hi, Brandon. Um, hey, Aid. Thanks for having hello. me. Hello. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming along. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the risks associated with this huge new, well, I say new, this uh, uh, this huge attack surface, which is becoming more and more prevalent in in recent years, and I'm you know I'm talking about uh, infrastructure as a service and software as a service, and um, uh, and I know we've you know we've chatted about it a bit before, um, how difficult it is to see into some of these kind of opaque environments and um, uh, and the risks associated with so many different people having so many powerful tools now to deploy this infrastructure um you know in in moments right so i mean is that what's 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 the big risks there what you know what can we do about it what can we, what yeah well, i think I, I think um i think in general we're seeing i'm seeing a lot from security teams the concept of cloud security and for whatever reason the the concept of cloud security encompassing you know infrastructure as a service and platform as a service and the developer pipelines that come along with that and a lot of the time, um, business applications that are delivered as SaaS workloads are left out of that for whatever reason, right? Um, you, you know, SaaS applications are cloud-delivered endpoints that store highly sensitive data. Um, they are extremely abstract and fluid. So you typically have large teams of developers, architects, administrators that spend you know months, quarters, sometimes years uh, designing and implementing these systems. And then there's a, a continuous process of you know, adjusting these systems and configuring these systems in a way that deliver um, use, uh, you know, business value to the organization. I think um, I think there's this misnomer out there that SaaS applications are somehow magically secure because you're not, you know, you don't have access to the bare metal underneath them. You don't have access mm-hmm. to the infrastructure layer underneath them because you can't stick an agent on that underlying infrastructure and monitor in that way that you traditionally would your other applications that live in your data center, or your VPC. Sure. That for some reason it's magically secure, and I think that's that's obviously not the case. Um, there's just a different way that you need to approach monitoring these systems because cause of the way that they're so abstract. Um, there's the concept of, of system hardening, right? Within any large SaaS platform, there's hundreds or thousands of different configuration settings, security native settings that are going to impact the way that an instance of an application is running. Um, you know, in Salesforce, for example, there's around 75 to 100 of those settings that are relevant to security and hardening wow. that instance. Just security alone? 100. Just that. Just just, just that, right? And, um, wow. you know, when you think about... And you're supposed uh, to get all of those right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and they change often, right? And they change often, and they're typically managed by the, the IT administrators, right, who are doing mm-hmm. a great job of trying to deliver value to the business, but they're not security professionals. They might not know what the impact is of, of turning on or turning off a security relevant switch. Um, and then, then it gets it get sort of um, it compounds from there, right? You think about the concept of, of role-based access controls and access provisioning in these big SaaS systems. There's the concept of, of roles in M365. There's the concept of, of profiles in Salesforce and um, how you're provisioning a, a wide range of permissions to users that you're granting access to these systems. Mm-hmm. You know, again, when you look at... Um, you know, 365, there's upwards of 40 to 50 different um, permissions that should be monitored to make sure that, you know, um, standard users can't 
um, you know, manage things like IP restrictions and manage certificates and manage encryption capabilities. So these are all different sort of, of system level settings that can be configured within a yeah. within a large SaaS platform that really need to be monitored and maintained. It's interesting, isn't it? Because and the thing you said, you said a thing there about you know there is an, an assumption that if you buy infrastructure or software as a service from one of the well from anyone, but particularly from one of the big name players, um, that uh, and and it's getting less prevalent. But I do still see I do still come across this kind of approach that this attitude that it, it's more secure than you could make it right if you hosted it yourself if google are doing it or amazon's doing it or whoever's doing it it's their security is going to be better than yours and in many cases that's that's true because you know they 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 have more developers they have more money they have bigger you know they're, they're just it's their business right but um you don't it's your data right it, rem- it remains your data and um, and actually, that's not their concern. Right? The security of your data is 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 not their concern. The security of their platform is their is their concern. And uh, and this opaqueness, you know, this inability to see beyond what the provider of the platform reveals to you via an API, makes it really difficult to answer the question. You know, is is that data in that platform or is that application secure? Not not from a okay. Google a secure point of view, but from a, is my data in that platform secure, right? That, that's, I think that's a really hard question for information security managers, let alone, you know, technical people to, to, to answer. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, you know, touching on that and sort of touching on the last comment that I made is that um, the abstractness of SaaS applications is, is ultimately a good thing for a lot of organizations, right? You're not, mm-hmm. you're not managing the infrastructure. You're, deliver- you're getting a managed application. You're not worrying about patching a system. That's ultimately going to be managed by ServiceNow or from Workday or M365, mm-hmm. whoever it is. Um, but, but again, um, from a shared responsibility model, what end customers need to be aware of is once they purchase that instance of a SaaS application, that's theirs. Yeah. They're not they're not buying that and just and just turning it on on day one. They're going mm-hmm. through a heavy duty design and implementation process, and that process continues on to my prior point, right? And so, mm-hmm. it's understanding your responsibilities um, as part of the shared responsibility model. Um, again, the big cloud providers do a fantastic job of uh, delivering world class security of their own data centers, of their own physical perimeters, of their own applications. Yeah. Um, where where the, the the responsibility transitions is once that customer takes that application and makes it theirs, starts adding users and adding data, um, whatever happens with that um, from a configuration perspective is the responsibility of the end customer. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the big SaaS vendors are going to be concerned if their end customers are having challenges securing that data, if it's constantly being exposed and we're, we're seeing a yeah. decent amount of that. They don't want to see that happen. It's not good for business. But at the end of the day, it's not their liability, right? It's, sure. it's the end customers of those applications that are liable for how they configure these systems. Yeah, I mean, and there's even like a you know catchphrase, isn't there? It's the, the leaky buckets <laughs> syndrome, which which actually I've always thought was a bit unfair on on Amazon because the, you know they're not leaky buckets; they're misconfigured, right? Uh, the 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 there's nothing wrong with the buckets. It's it's just how they're they're, they're being used. But, but you know, there's so many. You know, that's that's a thing, right? That hunting for leak. That there is software out there that hunts for misconfigured. Um, there are lots of software out there that hunts and, for misconfigured uh, data buckets, right? And and I think you just I think you just touched you just hit the nail on the head there, right? Like the way that I think of these big um, these big SaaS systems is they are they're they're cloud based business operating systems. Mm. 
right? They will do exactly what you tell them to do. However you configure them uh, to operate is how they're going to operate. They're not going to sit there and say, oh, you know, you messed up this data access model. Now we're going to expose this sensitive information to the internet through uh through a through a community portal that we're using in one of these systems that we use for you know uh, customer support right if, if again it, you know these these are highly complex systems and they will do whatever you tell them to do yeah yeah i mean does it uh, does it um I, I i mean i think it's a it's just the to me um you know i'm very old so i've seen this kind of come around before right it's the latest it's it's the latest example or one of the later examples of innovation in technology provision, outpacing security, right? Because I mean, I mean, even uh, I suppose ten years ago, the number of people who were entrusting their enterprise, their, you know, their, their their crown jewel data and their enterprise assets and applications to cloud providers was 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 minimal, right? It just it it, it didn't happen, and. And then it happened very slowly. And then, as capability grew and the, the the cost benefits in particular grew, everyone does it right. It's just it is just normal now. We don't come across a customer who has no presence in SaaS or or platform as a service. You know, it, it, absolutely everybody does. Uh, and that is, you know, probably five years ago we started seeing customers with cloud first policies internally. You know, that became a thing. Um, uh, and and now. I think most customers will do. It will take a long. It, it takes a lot for customers to consider doing something in house. Uh, it's on premise, right? In, on their own tin, um, in their own application, in their own data center. It just it, it just doesn't happen. And security, really, I think security practice and technologies haven't just just are lagging. It is kind of my Absolutely. view from what I see. Yeah, I um, I, so I I used to work for Redlock, which was one of the first players in the CSPM space. Okay, there's always there's always this messaging that I had, which was uh, the cloud security maturity gap, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the concept that at the time, early days of of AWS and Azure, it was a lot of swiping credit cards, right? It was developers and DevOps folks, yeah. you know, looking to deliver the value to the business as quickly as possible, and and swiping credit cards. And by the time the security organization caught up to understand what was going on, you know, some of these deployments were mature and multiple years in and they didn't have yeah. any proper any real proper security oversight the so-called shadow it problem exactly and it's and you know i think that i think it's more profound than SaaS, right because because mm-hmm. SaaS has been around for 20 years at this point <laughs> right and if you look at the size of the market um it's the this the b2b SaaS market according to gartner is is significantly larger than the infrastructure as a service market right okay. i think uh looking at the statistics i think gartner's predicting um, the SaaS B two B market to be a two hundred and eight billion dollar market wow. by the end of twenty twenty three, whereas infrastructure as a service is going to be about one hundred and fifty five billion. So you're talking about still a fifty billion uh, per mm-hmm. year revenue difference between you know enterprise SaaS workloads versus um, the use of infrastructure as a service. Just to give you a, a size of this, uh, an understanding of the scale yeah. of this uh, of this of this industry. Um, and so we're seeing the same thing, except it's with line of business organizations or platform owners or IT teams that are deciding we are going to um, you know, find a more efficient and effective way yeah. to deploy these you know, business applications that used to be delivered through the data center, through applications, sure. traditional applications. And again, same exact concept. Um, it's just a different team that is deploying these systems. And what we're seeing is that security teams and risk teams will get involved maybe at the time of procurement. Mm-hmm. They might do a 
you know, vendor risk assessment on one of the big SaaS vendors, right? They might say, okay, well, you know, how are they securing their own environment? You know, what are their HR, you know, policies on how they hire people? A are they doing background yeah. check? Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. questionnaires. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't do anything to address uh, the end customer's uh, share responsibility model or their, 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 their piece of it. And, um, and what we need to see is that uh, we need to see security teams getting more involved and, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, it's very easy to misconfigure these systems. And there are, there are tooling, there is tooling out there that allows them to get that same level of security visibility into these systems and those same sort of controls that they would try to apply to a traditional application, but that they can apply to SaaS workloads. Like the tooling uh, yeah. is there. Uh, and, and, um, and is that and the tooling presumably has just taken a while to catch up, right? To to, to that to that world, yeah. Because yeah. It, it's so much easier. So you know, if you take you know, say the secure by design principles, which I, I think you know everybody agrees with, if you're designing or implementing a, a new infrastructure, a new application, the idea is that security is involved. You know, from the word go, right? The first time you put that project definition together, you have security representation, and the whole thing is built from code to platform with security in mind. Now. That was difficult to do when the data was in a big room under your feet, right? That um, now it's in somebody else's opaque infrastructure. That kind of uh, security at every step of the design and implementation, I think, is is, is technically hard, right? And, and also, like you just said, if you've got line of business saying, well, actually, this is the best application for the business, you know, for very good reasons, for use case reasons, for commercial reasons, whatever it is, you know, we are deploying this application. That's that's a juggernaut which is really hard to to, to control, right? To to if you're a security person, that's that's really hard to get in front of and say, well, hang on a second, you know, we we want to have a closer look at Salesforce, you know, for example, right? It's 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 difficult, right, at that stage. To, to do that. So what you have to do, I guess, is control it, um, use use the tools that you're talking about to um, uh, to, to manage it uh, almost after the fact, right? Yeah, it needs to be done continuously, right? Mm. Just as you would secure your, your applications through uh, your continuous monitoring, it needs to be the same way with, with SaaS, right? There, mm. um, you know, there, within, a, within a typical security organization, there's not, there's not really any you know, Salesforce subject matter experts or mm-hmm. ServiceNow subject matter experts or Workday subject matter experts, right? So mm-hmm. even if they had the resources and they would say, we're going to train some of our resources up to be experts in these systems, you know, what do they actually do at that point? Do they go log into the administrator portal of their Workday deployment and start scro- manually crawling through hundreds and thousands of different system settings across a very large product that can have upwards of 15 different modules? Right, so oh, you know, I think you said there's like a hundred settings just for Salesforce related to security. Right? Security relevant, just yeah. for security relevant. I mean, if you go into, if you look at the, you know, if you look at go to the Workday website and look at their product page, there's 15 different modules. If you look at, you know, if you look at a, a ServiceNow platform, they have, you know, they offer modules for IT service management, IT, you know, ITBM, IT ops, mm-hmm. customer service management, HR, legal, SecOps, GRC. They build themselves as the platform of platforms. It's a fantastic technology, uh, delivers value to so many different organizations around the world. But again, for security teams to think that this is sort of a a simple application that's somehow just secure by default, Mm. you know, is obviously incorrect. And um, they're not going to have the resources 
to um, to sort of spin up uh, subject matter experts for the most part in these systems. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have the tooling that's needed in order to get deep visibility into the configuration state. Mm-hmm. But but then to more importantly, continuously scan and continuously monitor the application mm-hmm. to ensure that it maintains uh, a configuration best practice state. You know, that, yeah. That's really what SSPM tooling does, SaaS security posture management. Tooling connects into these systems via uh, via APIs and OAuth connections, and then it continuously scans, it continuously assesses, and it identifies uh, critical and high risk misconfigurations that need to be addressed. Okay, yeah, because uh, and that so yeah, I mean the the if you were to try and scale up to do that with 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 experts, right, with people um, like you like you alluded to, I mean that just completely negates the point of going to that model in the first place, right? Because you're 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 back to having to have massive teams of people supporting an application which um which you don't own right and you bought so that you didn't have to own <laughs> you know you, you bought in that model because you didn't have to own and, and yeah and i mean even to your point right like you know let's say that um you know let's say that you had a bunch of resources in a security organization that were free to do this which i think we all know doesn't exist in mm-hmm. 99 out of 100 customers that we speak to right mm-hmm. the resources aren't there for that Again, what are they going to do? Are they going to get an administrator login? Are they going to actually log into one of these biz, big business critical applications mm. where um, and start making configuration changes? The fact of the matter is, is that um, you know, the whole concept of SaaS security posture management um, in an effective operational model is to allow security and platform teams to jointly monitor the application, mm. to put controls and governance guardrails in place. So that um, so that application teams are aware that when they misconfigure something, um, they know that they need to go fix it, and that there's um, and that there's an actual audit trail that you know these things are taking place and that they're being remediated in a in a proper way. And do you think um, there's room for delivery part? I mean, or do you see you know delivery partners? Because obviously, all of the big SaaS platforms have specialist delivery partners um, who you know like do the onboarding and the, the enablement for the customer, be it you know Salesforce partners or ServiceNow, whatever it is. Is this uh, is SSPM? Um, it sounds like it would be an incredibly useful thing for them to have whilst actually building that configuration and deploying. Do you do you do you have conversations with those people, or do you see that's a, a thing that should absolutely, happen? absolutely, whenever possible, we want we want customers to think about implementing security best practice from the beginning yeah. and understanding that these systems are going to morph considerably on a, on a weekly, monthly, annual basis. You can't do this point in time. You can't do it. Um, you can't do it every once in a while. It needs to be a continuous process and ideally one you implement uh, early on. It's not the end of the world if you haven't. You know, you can go ahead and work with uh, work with security partners, work with MSPs, work with whoever it is that you align with that have subject matter expertise um, in helping you understand how, you know, your systems are currently configured. Take remediation actions where necessary to get them into a correct state, a compliant state, a secure state. And then again, implement um, baseline policies. Um, every application is different for every customer. They all have different use cases. So when you think about implementing SSPM tooling, it's really important that there's a there's a policy engine that allows you to write your own custom baselines that serve as guardrails around these applications, allow the application teams to know that they can move, they can they can promote changes into these systems as, as fast as they want, as often as they want, mm-hmm. as long as they're not you know bumping up against those guardrails that the the business and the security organization have put in place to say this is how the application must stay configured. So, so almost there's a there's a use case for for for, 
for SSPM tools that you know the implementation partner uses them, sets up the guardrails as you call them, and then and then leaves that functionality, that ongoing continual functionality of the SSPM with the customer would seem to be the kind of responsible thing to be doing. That, that's absolutely one model. We see our security, uh, you know, traditional security partners and, and cloud security partners delivering these services to our customers as well in the form of uh, risk assessments, remediation work, um, uh, you know, can manage services, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, the application is obviously going to be monitored or be maintained probably by the application team. But from a, from a security perspective, making sure that, you know, remediations are taking place, um, that events that you're detecting in your SaaS logs are being, um, are being uh, you know, triaged properly. You know, that's absolutely a market where we see our security partners delivering uh, valuable services to our customers. Cool. Well, look, Brandon, I think we're just about out of time, but that's been incredibly useful. So thank you very much for that. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate it.